America's original and oldest heritage pack company, Duluth Pack, hosts a podcast led by CEO Tom Sega. Real stories with real people who we admire, plus outdoor industry conversations, business discussions, entrepreneurial advice, and more. Now enjoy this week's episode of Leader of the Pack. Today's episode of Leader of the Pack is brought to you by our Made in the USA friends at Darn Tough Vermont. Darn Tough is a family-owned American manufacturer of end-use specific socks. They design, manufacture, sell, and promote the most comfortable, durable, and best-fitting socks available in the market today. Their CEO is known for saying, nobody ever outsourced anything for quality, and boy do I agree. Their promise is backed up by their unconditional lifetime guarantee. If you can wear out their socks, they will replace them free of charge. Seriously, I had a couple pair wear through and they replaced them with no questions asked. You can shop Darn Tough Vermont at Duluth Pack's flagship store in Duluth, Minnesota, or you can find them at darntoughvermont.com. This is Dave from Hoops Brewing. I'm uh, very, very happy to be part of this podcast and uh, really enjoy what Duluth Pack is doing. Here at Hoops, I make beer, not business decisions as much but I have to sometimes. I listen to this podcast because Tom is authentic, and that's why I open Hoops Brewing here in Canal Park, just a stone's throw from Duluth Pack, to make the beer the way beer was meant to be made, to be authentic in every ingredient, in every stage of the brewing process, and every inch of our beautiful Bavarian beer hall. And if you want to taste what an IPA or a Hefeweizen is authentically brewed to be, we'd love to show you Hoops Brewing for real. Hey everybody, this is Tom Sega with Duluth Pack, and this is the Duluth Pack podcast, Leader of the Pack. Our special guest today is also a friend of mine, Brad Putney, and he is the owner and founder of True North Consulting. And we're going to talk all kinds of things, Google AdWords, and how companies can do better with their spend when they're looking to acquire new customers. Welcome, Brad. Hi, thanks, Tom. Thank you very much. I, I really appreciate you having me today. I'm excited to do this. Oh, this is going to be fun. And and you know what? I'm looking to uh, learn a whole bunch, and I'm going to take a bunch of notes so, uh, so we can be more efficient at our companies. All right. Sounds good. Sounds like a great idea. Well, let's go all the way back to the beginning for you, Brad. Uh, you know, Where did you grow up, and what was your childhood like? Uh, I, I grew up, my home is Des Moines, Iowa. I was born in Des Moines, Iowa, and I spent my uh, formative years there. Um, my childhood was was pretty amazing. Um, as, as you and I have talked many times, I spent summers in northern Minnesota. So I had the best of both worlds. I had a group of friends in Des Moines. I had a group of friends at the lake, and we were kind of free to do anything we wanted to do. So I, I am very blessed at the childhood I had running running boats and fun and skiing and sailing and do everything I wanted to do in the summertime. So that was, that was what my childhood was. And, and where did you go to college, Brad? So my undergrad is from Gustavus Adolphus college. So I, I made the decision living in Iowa, there's not enough water in Iowa. So I made the decision, I'm going to go to Gustavus and I went to Gustavus in St. Peter and I graduated from there. I worked, I worked for a couple of years, just kind of kicking around. And then I went back to school. I have a graduate degree from the University of Minnesota. I have an MBA from the Carlson School of Management. Cool. That's a tough one. They, what do they call that? The Harvard of the Midwest, right? Sure. That's what I call it. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it was, um, it was a tough, intense program. It was, um, it was more intense than I anticipated. I went full-time day. So my, my program was two, two full years, almost two full years. And uh, it was a in tough, intense program. Hardest, hardest I've ever worked in school in my entire life, but I, I learned more than I've ever learned in my entire life. So that was, it was, it was great. I, I, I don't regret it at all. It was a fantastic program. I recommend recommend it to anybody if you if you're thinking about these big mba programs and i know people you know they they want to go east they want to go to uh, harvard or wharton or midwest go to uh, university of chicago or even go go stanford i i recommend taking a good hard look at minnesota because they are they are a, a not i shouldn't say up and coming they're they've arrived they're a great mba program 
And did you have a specialty when you were getting your MBA or was it abroad? Yes. No, I, I especially, my, I, my specialty is finance. So okay. we had, there were six different concentrations. They called them concentrations. And my concentration was financed. And did, what were your plans to do with that when, when you got out <laughs> and, and you, you, you know, chose that as your specialty? Well, my original plan when I entered uh, business school was I, I wanted to be, uh, I wanted to go to Wall Street and work in, in Wall Street. And I, I learned more about that. And I met some guys who worked on Wall Street and they didn't, they weren't having as much fun as I thought they should be having. So I, I, I wanted to become a banker. That's, that's honestly what I wanted to do. I, I wanted to become a banker with my MBA. And so what did you end up doing? When so you I, ended up being a, I ended up being a money manager. So I just, uh, I, I, I was just, ma I was managed money for a while. Um, and I, and I did that for, uh, for a long time. And I got caught, uh, as many of us did, I got caught in the wreck uh, in 2008, 2009. And uh, I, I swore, I said, I don't want anything more to do to finance. I don't want, I, I don't want to manage money. Um, I was still personally invested, but I wasn't managing anybody other, uh, others' money than my own money. And I said, I threw up my hands and I said, I'm out of this. I want to be in travel. I want to do something with travel. Well, that landed me at a outfitter up in Ely. Uh, uh, one of the more noted outfitters, and it was great fun. It it, it was a blast. Um, I worked my butt off. It was a very physical job. I was out in the outfitting barn, and I I was the oldest guy out there. I'm I'm proud to say I was the oldest guy in the barn, but I was physically tired at the end of every day, and it was a seasonal job too. So that was that was kind of the end of kind of the end of outfitting. And then I uh, I met these people down in Duluth. They've got a store down in Canal Park, and I went to work on the sales floor. So this is this is how I became acquainted with you. And I I tell this story all the time. I met your your former store manager, and we had a great interview. And I answered all his questions, and he hired me on the spot, which was which is really cool. I'd never been hired on the spot before, and so I it was trial by fire. I started working in October, but then I worked black Friday and Holy cow. That was, um, that was as wild as it gets black Friday at Duluth pack on the retail floor. Boy, oh boy. If you, do, if you don't know how to run a till or, uh, or make people happy or find what they want, you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna learn the hard way. Cause it, we, uh, we worked our, we worked very hard on that, that first black Friday that I worked, but then you and I got to know each other. And I, I think and this is the way I tell the story. I don't know if you remember it this way or not, Tom, but I kind of remember chatting with you and we were kind of leaning against the packs over there. And and you said, um, yeah, we got to, you got to know my background. And you said, yeah, we need to get you off the sales floor. We need to get you up in the office. So after some changes in the front office, I interviewed up there and and, and I came to, uh, I came to work in your marketing office up there. And this is where the, all this started, the Google, the Google, the Google ads, uh, the SEO, the website, the e-commerce, it all all started up in the little marketing office up there on Superior Street. So, Brad, let me ask this question: when you when you got out of the finance, mm -hmm. and then you went up to Ely to work for an outfitter, and then you came and worked on a sales floor as a sales associate, was that kind of just a I need a break? I've been pushing really, really hard. We went through this awful two thousand eight, which saw everything crash and everyone in the financial business that. You know, I just kind of need a break from that and go do something that is a, really fun and energetic, and and I could physically be tired at the end of the day instead of just mentally. When this started, when I went to Ely to work as an outfitter, I didn't see it as a break. I saw it as um, I I had sworn off finance. I was really, I really got wrecked. I mean, it, you know, I we joke about it today, but I mean. I, it was my career was trashed. My portfolio was trashed. Um, you know, I don't know where to go from here. I was just I was angry. I mean, honestly, Tom, I was angry. I just didn't want to be in finance anymore. I had worked really hard to get where I was in finance and it just completely blew up on me. Now, looking back on it today. Yeah, it was a break. It was it was a mental break. It was a physical break. Um, this is this is what I was meant to do. But I didn't when I when I took that job in Ely, I didn't know that I I didn't know what you know, the next 10 years held for me. You know, I, I know when, when you were in, in the marketing department, that was one of the things you really grasped uh, and, and wrapped your arms around was 
was Google AdWords. I remember a lot of really long conversations with you on, you know, we're a small company and we only have limited resources and, and how do you do that uh, in grow your business on limited resources when you, it can get very expensive for customer acquisition and you really embraced all that. Can you talk a little to that? Well, so that's the, that's the great thing about Google AdWords, right? Because the way we can target based on the keyword, based on the product, based on the, the product page, the product category, but the way we, and all leading to a conversion. And when I say conversion, I mean, for, for those of us in, in this world, that means purchase, that means sale. So when you optimize all that and you can optimize your, your keyword, your ad text, your landing page, your product page, when you can optimize all that toward a sale, it's it's really powerful, right? Because now you know exactly where your advertiser advertising dollars are going. You know the return on those advertising dollars, and you can optimize for all of that. So that's what I embraced when when I landed in the marketing department. I thought this is really cool. Not only do I have all this information on the website in general from Google Analytics. I've got all this information on how people are behaving when they click on one of our ads, whether they do or don't, you know, who, who clicks, who doesn't, what are they searching? What keywords are they searching and how can we optimize all around that? And that's, that's what I, that's why I embrace Google ads because being a finance guy, being a numbers guy, being, uh, you know, living in the world of analysis, you know, growing, growing up in the stock market the way I did. Um, that's what appealed to me so much about that. And, and it still, and it still does today, but that's in those days, in those, in those first few days at Duluth pack, that's what appealed to me was the, was the analysis that we could do around all the numbers that Google would give us. And, and, and I want to deep dive into that for our listeners today, Brad, because you become such an expert at it. And we'll get into some of that. But what year was it now that you actually formed True North Consulting? So True North Consulting is 12, 12 years old next month. So two, 2011. So I, I took my first client in March of 2011. And as a, as a small business owner in 2011... You, now you're an entrepreneur, you're diving in head over heels, and you wear a lot of hats. Talk about a typical day early on when you were forming True North and you got that first customer. And and how did you sell to them that, hey, I I, I know what I'm doing here? <laughs> so early on, it, it's it's all prospecting. I mean, you're... It, I, I don't have anything to manage. I'm, I'm just sitting here looking for campaigns to manage. So it's all prospecting. And it's you learn very quickly how to differentiate yourself. And and the way I differentiate myself was, was two ways. First of all, I've, I've done it before. Um, I know what I'm doing. I've done it with Duluth Pack. We've had success. I can, I can tell you what leads to success. And then secondly, and I learned this a little, not initially, but further down the road in that first year is I'm the guy who touches all the accounts. And I still use this as my differentiation today. I'm the guy who touches everything. I write the ads, I optimize the ads, I manage the ad spend, I create the strategy. I learned by a lot of pissed off clients that I got that that's not true at all agencies. And, and there's a very, very large agency in Duluth. And I sat with him in those in that first year, thinking maybe I want to go work for him. And I and I said to the I said to him, Well, who set strategy? Well, and he and he said, I set strategy. And I said, okay, who writes the ads? He said, well, it's kind of written by committee, but I approve all ads. And I thought about that and I thought, you know, if I'm going to be managing, I, I want to tell people that I'm, I'm the one touching all this. I give them the personal touch. And I found that a lot about, again, as I say, disgruntled clients would come to me and say, well, they, you know, I talked to this guy initially, he took a ton of money from me and I don't think he's ever looked at my account since. So those are that's what that's what those early days were were the prospecting the differentiation learning all that including getting all my certifications and and just learning more and more about Google Ads. Today today the typical day it, it's very different. Today I'm I'm full up. Um I'm not taking any new clients right at at this minute I'm not taking any new clients. So my day really is interacting with my agencies. I work with five different agencies. I'm talking to them. What do we need to do? Um, and then 
when I've kind of got my day set, then it's optimizing. Then it's going through all the campaigns. What can we do better? What can we improve? Um, making my adjustments as I need to make them. It's also a lot of phone calls. I sit on a lot of phone calls with a lot of clients. Uh, what do they want? What's their strategy? How can I incorporate their strategy into my strategy? And then I try and set aside, if not every day, at least every week, I try and set aside a learning portion. Um, I'm I'm reading, I'm watching YouTube videos. I'm trying to find out what's new and what's different out there in Google ads. So really in the 12 years, it, it's really evolved. It's It's gone from a much more prospecting, just scrambling for every dollar today to making sure my clients' accounts are as absolutely optimized as they possibly can be. Brad, you talked about some certifications. Can you expand upon that for us a little bit? I sure can. Um, there's a lot of them today. When I first started, you took two tests. You took a general knowledge test, and then you took a search test, and then you were certified. And I was certified in March of, what did I say, 2011? Yeah, 2011. And then I, I started building my uh, my Google partner. And by November of 2011, I was a Google partner and I was fully certified off and ready to go. So that was it. It was two tests and signing for the Google partner program. Today, what, is the Google, what is the Google okay. partner program? So the Google partner program is it's, it's a group of, of individuals and agencies who have agreed to certain addendums criteria under the the Google umbrella that that Google can say these are the people that we work with and we want to work with because a they've shown proficiency they they have experience and they have uh, enough ad spend it, it this isn't what we're trying to do is we're trying to set ourselves again uh, apart from people who just in their own business like to run like to run their Google ads and and, and they're doing it and they've got a low ad spend this is this is people who do this professionally. They have large, they have a large amount to ad spend, and they've committed to getting the certifications. So today, I have I have eight different certifications. There are I have I have take eight tests on a yearly basis, including analytics. I also I also test for analytics. So I have I have nine different certifications I have to get every year. And and can you expand a little bit about what what those do? Obviously, it's continuing education, but what what kind of courses are those that you take every year? So it's it's really based on the product categories or the um what do you want to call the uh, the specializations within within Google. We have search, and I know I'm not going to remember all eight of them, but I'll give you the ones that I can remember: search, display, shopping, mobile apps and then there there are three more that I can't remember but but what it does is it tests us on those areas of of specification um and because I I consider myself a search expert I I um I must there's a there's another certification that goes along with search but because I consider myself a search expert that's what I focus on and those are the tests that I've been taking from the very beginning so it's it's really their it's their products um, what what does it do for us? Well, it it shows it shows to the world that we're serious about what we do and we're professional in what we do. Now, in terms of in terms of how does it help me on a daily basis, it probably doesn't help me on a daily basis, other than it keeps me updated on what's new in Google. Um, I I I like to think of it more as a, of a sales tool than it actually is um, a, a learning base, because really, and I'm sure you know this. Uh, very well that you can you can test us on a lot of stuff, but to really acquire the knowledge in Google Ads, you've got to be doing it every day. You and you've and you've got to be encountering the problems and solving the problems, and you've got to be encountering you know uh, low low ROAS. And I, I apologize for using a, a buzzword there, but it's return on ad spend. You've got to be able to solve these problems and get beyond these problems, and then you've got also got to be able to solve problems when accounts go offline and you've, and you've got to get those things fixed. And you, you, you really can't test that because every time one of those red yellow flags or red flags pops up, it's always a different fix. It's never the same fix. So that's, that's really the true test of a, of a Google professional is how long you've been doing it. What problems have you solved? And can you help me solve my problems? 
you you mentioned a acronym there, return on ad spend, you know, ROAS or ROAS. Can you explain to our 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 listeners what goes into that? ROAS is a very, and I apologize for using the buzzwords. Buzzwords. I knew as soon as it came out of my mouth, I shouldn't have done it. ROAS is a very simple formula. It's just return on ad spend. It's the revenue generated from your conversions, your sales, divided by your ad spend, what you spent on those ads. So if you, so a very easy ROAS to do is if I just earn a million dollars in revenue and I spend a hundred thousand, a hundred thousand to get it, my ROAS is ten or a thousand percent, right? So. It's it's just a very it's a quick and dirty formula to tell you how much you're earning on the money that you're spending. And does each customer, when you're first acquiring a new customer, have a general idea of what they're looking for, Brad? Or is this something that you help educate them with on on with what their product is and what their margins might be where you believe they should be? Generally, the customers, the clients that I'm working with are small and medium-sized businesses, and they have no idea what they want. They have no idea what they're, uh, you know, it's a shame. This would be the education piece that I'd like to share with people. Know, know what it takes to acquire your average customer. Know what your average customer means to you in terms of revenue. Um, you should really know what your ROAS goals are. You should know what your margins are. And you should know what you're spending on your advertising, and you really should know which advertising is working best for you and what's and what's bringing back the best revenue. These are a lot of things we talk about early when we when we talk to a client. Is what first of all, do you know what your numbers are, and secondly, what do you think they should be? And we should be setting targets for you because those targets are gonna, you know, they're gonna play into your strategy. So if I was really and and I hate to shame anybody, but Boy, oh boy, folks, you really should know what your ratios are. Um, and, and if you don't, please start to learn them um, because they're, they're really important. You know, uh, some of the things I've learned from our conversations over the years and, and you know, we as a as a small company, we, we feel like we spend a lot of money on on, you know, all the different AdWords and whatnot is, you know, truly, what do we really get to keep at the end of the day? obviously knowing what our, our margins are, because if I'm just getting a, you know, uh, making a million dollars and I spend $500,000 and I have a 50% margin on my products, well, looks like I just traded dollars. And where did that get me other than maybe a bigger client base? Right, exactly. So that, that becomes a question then, right? And, and this is, this becomes a more philosophical question when you and I are talking, but Okay, so you acquired you acquired that customer. Now, if we say you acquired that customer th through Google Ads, that customer chances are, you know, about 70% of Google Ads customers are new. And and this is on average. I I don't remember the the numbers for Google for Duluth Pack right off the top of my head, but in general, new customers will come from Google Ads at about 70%. Now, yeah. Okay, so that sale that sale gave us a transaction and an ROAS and a ROI and whatever you want to say. But then, you know, if you want to dig deeper, if you want to really geek out on this is, okay, what's the chance that customer is going to, going to spend with us again? And what's the lifetime value of that customer? Now, if it's, if it's pretty large, that may have just changed our ROAS, or maybe we need to develop a new, um, a new metric for the lifetime value of a customer. Maybe we want to use ROAS on that initial purchase, but we want to start developing a, a new a new metric to measure the lifetime value of a customer versus what we acquired to get that customer. Because we may have acquired, we, we may have acquired more or less because now we can start to go down the rabbit hole of touch points. Um, and in the digital world, touch points are every step along that journey before you got to the Duluth, uh, you know, and I'll I'll use my favorite product at Duluth Pack, the the bison duffel bag. Before you got to that product page and put that in your shopping cart, and you know gave them your gave them a credit card, what touch points did you see? Did you you know did you do an organic search? Did you do did you see something on Facebook? Did you see something on Instagram? You know did you listen to a podcast from uh, from Tom and and you know one of his one of his guests mentioned the buffalo. Oh, did you did you see Tom on an on a morning news show where he had the bison duffel bag on that news show? 
So those are all the things that we can we can think about along the customer journey. But again, as I said, that's kind of going down the rabbit hole. the 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 immediate question is, you know, we we spent money on on a, a Google ad that turned into a conversion. What do we spend to get that conversion, and is it worth it to us? I mean, really, really good advice. And and oh my gosh, because people can spend themselves into oblivion, especially if you don't know what you're doing and and in not working with experts like you, Brad. We have discovered the best American-made truck racks on the market. The Minnesota-made truck racks by Spring Creek Manufacturing are built with aluminum and are universal, meaning they can fit most brands, styles, years, and bodies of trucks. Plus, they are rust-proof. Whether for your truck or your company's commercial fleet, these are the truck racks for you. No need to buy a new truck rack every three to five years. Buy it once and have it for life. Plus, enjoy an exclusive 15% off. Yes, 15% off your next online order with springcreek.com with code LEADER15. That is LEADER, L-E-A-D-E-R-1-5. Exclusions apply. Now, back to the podcast. Question for you. 2015, you were selected as a Google AdWords All-Star. Tell us about that. That's pretty cool stuff. That was that was fun because it was um it was a it was a sales contest. So I was I was sitting here and you can you can see my I don't know. Oh, we're not not sorry, we're not on video. You can't see my little fridge over my over my shoulder. But it was a sales contest, and I, I I had won some sales contests, and I got some little prizes. But then here came the here came the all star contest, and I really thought I can win the one day contest. I know because I know we've got this we've got sales coming down the pipe. I can win the one day contest. I can spend one day in Mountain View. This is going to be really cool. So we got to the end of the thing, and I knew I I knew I'd done it, and. Uh, so I called up my Google representative and he's like, yeah, you're, you're not doing the one day deal. You, you got the three day deal. I'm like, this is cool. All right. So three days in Mountain View and I get to take somebody with me too. So we, um, so for three days, my, my wife became a member of the true North consulting team. And we went to, uh, we went to San Francisco and we spent a day in San Francisco. Then we went down to San Jose. They put us up in a hotel in San Jose and they would buses each day to the Googleplex in Mountain View, and it was it was really really cool. We spent the day in seminars, meeting other Google Ads professionals, agencies, and there were some big agencies there, and they were from all over the world. Um, I can remember South American agencies. I had I had lunch with some South Americans one day. Um, there were Israeli agencies there because this was just after the time when uh, Google had acquired Waze, so there were a lot of representation from Israel there. And that was fun meeting those people. Um, and then it just, I, I met a lot of the guys um, and, and girls too, excuse me, uh, both the men and the women who were early on in Google ads. And it was cool to talk with them. And uh, I, I I tried not to go fanboy on them, but I, I kind of was, I told them, this is really cool. I've read your book or I've watched your YouTube videos or whatever it was. But it was, um, I was just a sponge for three days. I took in absolutely as much information as I could. And I'm still using a lot of that information today, uh, especially the the YouTube information. At that time, their two, folk, two things they were focused on were Waze and YouTube. And I'm still using a lot of that information today, not only when I manage ads or create YouTube campaigns, but when I talk about just like I'm talking with you today, um, I use that information to talk about YouTube. So you were hanging out with some of the big players out there. These were the big boys. I was, they, I don't even think they can take single uh, sole proprietorships anymore. They've changed the rules. So you have to be an agency now, but there were some big, big agencies out there. And they were from, I, I can remember New York, Miami, San Francisco, of course, Los Angeles, uh, you know, millions and millions of dollars of ad spend were represented. Wow, that's pretty cool. Congratulations. Thank you. It was fun. I enjoyed it. So you were alluding to something a few minutes ago about getting that first customer. And sometimes when that happens, I'm a small entrepreneur 
and some things start working, but I have no idea why they're working. How do you delve into what works, but more importantly, why it worked so we can do this again and again and again? Okay, let me let me answer what I think you asked me and then ask me again if I didn't answer correctly. So my my first my very first client out of the box, um I had known a, a gentleman who worked in the digital ad space um in Duluth and I spoke with him and I said, "Hey, I'm out on my own now." He said, "Well, I've got a client that I think is perfect for you." And it's it was Jefferson Bus Lines. And he said, "Can you take a look at their campaign and tell them what they're doing wrong?" So I did, I just did a quick audit and I said, here are the things they're doing wrong. And here's where I think we can improve. And we reduced, um, we reduced their cost per click by about 50%. And we reduced their cost per conversion by about 60%. Um, there, I think, I'm not going to say any numbers, but they were, we had talked about this uh, just a few minutes ago. Their, their ROAS was almost even, it, it you know, it was almost zero. Um, they were spending almost as much per acquisition as that ticket price on that item. Well, we reduced that. We we took that down, and I I, I don't want to use numbers here. I want to try and use percentages, but we cut that we we cut that acquisition by two thirds. Yeah, more than two thirds, seventy percent, seventy or seventy five percent. So that made a huge difference to them right off the bat, and uh, so. Not only did revenue for them go up, but also, you know, tickets, tickets went up, revenue went up, and that's how we knew it was working. And so we could just, we just kept trying to replicate it. We opened new campaigns. We, uh, we moved campaigns around. We changed, we changed geographies. We, we, we ran at some specials and, and we knew what we wanted for our acquisition cost. And so we just kept using that and kept going after it. And we were really successful for them. I think that's part of the question that 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 I had. Um, it would be I have something that's that's working, mm-hmm. so I can see I'm converting on a term or a whole campaign uh, of terms better than so I'm getting a bigger a bigger return on ad spend on these versus I am on those. How do I replicate what I'm getting in? the the winners I'll call them versus the dogs. Well, <laughs> it's it's a great question. Oh man, it's and it's a tough question. And I, and I want to give you the right answer. And and when you say dogs, I, I'm thinking keywords now. I'm thinking ad groups full of keywords of of keywords that aren't working. I'm going to try and do everything I can to rehabilitate rehabilitate those keywords and get them working. Um, I I'm doing things like I'm going to put them in ad text. Um, I'm going to put them in my ad extensions. I'm going to ask uh, the client to put those keywords on uh, on the website, on the landing pages. Maybe I'm going to even ask them to do a blog post about those keywords to see if we can rehabilitate those keywords. But I'm going to be honest with you, Tom. At some point, we're going to we're going to get to a point where we just got to kind of fish or cut bait. We we may just have to turn those keywords off, and, and that's okay. The only time it really becomes a problem is if the client comes and says, I have to make money on this keyword. This is this is my most important keyword. Then we're going to have some problems. But I, I have no qualms about turning off keywords that are sucking. If if they're not doing good, I'll turn them off. I'll turn them off and stick with the winners. And I'll tell the client, hey, this is the reason I turn these off. And this is why we're going with these winners. And we'll even set up ad groups that are labeled converters and we'll we'll push as much money at the converters as we possibly can. So Brad, what, how does, how does AdWords then come into mix with search engine optimization or what the, the industry calls SEO? So they're, they're really, they're two different animals. Here's, here's how they, here's how they come together. They come together in the sense that we need our website for both SEO and SEM, search engine marketing or paid, I will use all those interchangeably. We need our website performing to the absolute optimal, meaning we need to have all of our keywords on our pages. We need to have our content optimized, meaning the words on the page need to be the best for making sales. We need to have our funnel as 
clean as it can possibly be. Meaning when you when you enter up at the top, when you when you put something in your cart, you're almost guaranteed to fall out at the bottom of the purchase. Um, technically, we want our website to be as technically sound as it possibly can be. Meaning we don't want a bunch of errors. Uh, we, we you know we don't want a bunch of four hundred fours. We don't uh, we don't want um, well, we want we want our titles to be fully built out. I'm 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 not an SEO expert, so I'm I'm stumbling as I go here. But we want our page titles to be correct. We want our meta meta descriptions to be optimized. We want to make sure that it's is it clean and easy to see a product, to buy a product, to understand a product as it possibly can be. Those things all work together for SEO and SEM. Now, what doesn't work together? The auction process is very different. In in SEM, we have an auction. We enter an auction for a keyword, for an ad with a quality score that will show our ad. And SEO, it's all that SEO that we've talked about and we've been talking about for all these years, that that wonderful chart of uh, the periodic table of, of search engine optimization. At that point, the reason an organic result serves is very different than the reason a paid result serves. But the but the underline, that website, and that's the underline, that's the foundation, that needs to be as sound as it can possibly be for both of those to work at their highest possible. You use the numbers 404. What is a 404? Uh, 404 is a page not found. Nobody, okay. does, is, is anybody more pissed off when you click on a search result and it goes, page not found? Now, sometimes there's a fun little dinosaur there, and I like the dinosaur. And and Amazon does it great too. Amazon will put little dogs and kitties and stings, but nobody wants to go to a 404. And in terms of your search engine optimization, you don't want to see a 404. That that lowers your that lowers your your rank. On in a paid result, you oh my god, you never want to be directing your landing page to a 404 because now you've paid for the click, and you're not you're never going to get the conversion. I mean, just by definition, you can't get a conversion. Is there any easy answer to a 404? You, you, <laughs> the easy answer is uh, a, a young man or woman who is well-versed in SEO and they're going through your website on a regular basis, making sure every, all the technical aspects of your, your website are clean, looking for all those errors. Um, I recommend Search Console. Um, I also use SEM Rush, and I'm happy to plug both of those. But Search Console is free, and it will show a lot of that stuff. And I recommend looking at it uh, at least weekly, um, monthly at the minimum, but at least weekly. Brad, when when does a company or a a, a uh, an entrepreneur hire somebody as a consultant? When when is what are the trigger points to go? Hey, you know what? I need help. Um. I think that's it, right? Uh, you know, the first the first step is admitting you need help. Um, consultants like me work best when when you need to run Google Ads or or SEO too. If you need to do that, but you don't have the money to hire those people in house, um, almost everybody I, I shouldn't say almost every everybody I work with doesn't need me full time. They only need me X amount of hours per week. So they, you know, they can hire me and get my expertise and I may only work for them, you know, three, three, four, five hours a week, maybe some, sometimes three, four hours a month, but they get, they get all my expertise. They get my 12 years of experience um, and my expertise, but I'm not on, I'm not on staff. Um, they don't have to pay me a bunch of money. Uh, they only need to pay me for what I do. That's, that's when you're looking to hire a consultant. Now, with that being said, if your ad spend start to creep up, and you have to decide when this is, but when the ad spend gets up pretty high, you may want somebody on staff. Um, my recommendation would be when your ad spend is, oh, four times what you think you should pay this person. And that's that's just a rule of thumb. Every company is going to be different. But up until then, you can you can do a pretty good job with consultants. Brad, there's there's different models out there when it comes to working with consultants in the AdWords space. Okay. I know there's there's uh, that agencies that you pay a monthly fee. There's agencies you pay a monthly fee and you pay per 
a percentage of everything that you spend on AdWords um, and probably many more out there. What would mm -hmm. you have to as advice if somebody's out there looking right now and said, you know, I've never hired a consultant to do this before. Here's what I recommend the, the model that will work most likely best for you getting started. Um, my recommendation, and I hope this doesn't seem pe too pedestrian, but my recommendation is when you're looking to hire a consultant, make sure they fit with your business model. Make sure they fit with your culture and the things that you're doing. Um, I, I had a former client who fired me. I'll just be honest. They fired me, but then they went with a big national firm and they were paying this big national firm 10 times what they're paying me and their their revenue went down. And their revenue went down was for some of the things that I've mentioned. It, this big national firm really didn't have their best interests at heart. Um, there wasn't a culture match. And they they did a lot of farming out. They had a lot of, of people who just, there were a lot of fingers in the pie. So my recommendation is when you're looking for a consultant, see what fits with you, especially if you're a smaller, medium-sized business. I would really recommend I would really recommend staying away from the big national firms and look for good local and regional agencies that serve not only your business, you know, your um your business model, your industry, but also serve your size, your size of business too. You know, if um and I'm not going to put any revenue numbers on it, but you know if you're a smaller, medium-sized business, don't go after a big national firm. They you you won't get the service that that you expect or that that you depend upon. Is there a way that people can dip their toe in, or is it kind of a an all in scenario when you're working with with you, Brad? Oh, when you're working with me, um, I really, I'll be honest with you, Tom. I I would like my clients to be all in with me. I have not had a lot of success where I'm managing part of it and my clients are managing the other part of it. When you get too many fingers in the pie, um, it, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't work real well. Now, if, if you are hands-on, if you're really hands-on and you really feel like you want to run your Google AdWords program, here's the deal I'll make with you. You run it. That's fine. You touch it. You make all the adjustments and, and you just pay me to come and look at it once a month and we'll look and I'll make some suggestions. But I, I I got into the situation more than once, and it, this is my own fault, but I would make adjustments. I would make optimizations, and I'd go back in 24 hours later, and they were all reversed. Well, I mean, you know, what What are you paying me? I mean, bluntly, what are you paying me for here? If, if you want to do it, you go and do it. So I really prefer if you're going to work with me, please please be all in. Um, if if you're uncomfortable with that, let's make an agreement. Let's do a 30, 60, 90 day test. And if it's not working, let's, you know, let's divorce ourselves of of having me handle it. But but give me 90 days to see what I can do. Um, and please don't reverse all my optimizations. That's you know, that 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 just isn't gonna work. So Brad at True North Consulting, what kind of reports do you get back? You said uh, whether it's weekly or monthly. Um, to your clients, so they so they really have a a, a litmus test or a, or a score sheet of of how they're doing. I like to do monthly. Um, I have a couple clients who request every two weeks. Uh, I like to do monthly, I, and I'm a big proponent of Google Data Studio. I'm really liking the information and provided in Google Data Studio. So what I can do is. I can provide the key metrics that we're looking at. And these are metrics that we've agreed to, the client and I have agreed to. These are what we believe to be the key metrics going forward here. And we're going to look at them on a monthly basis. And I'm going to do, and maybe this is more than more than you want to know, but what my report is going to consist of, the first page is going to be all campaigns together, your, your entire account. And then I'm going to do a search page, a display page, a shopping page, a YouTube page, whatever, whatever works, whatever's applicable. Uh, to your account. And then the final page is going to be my notes. And I'm going to do, I'm going to do two sets of notes. I'm going to do my observations, what's gotten better, what's gotten worse, what do we need to focus on? And then my active management. Um, as I said earlier, as we were talking, I touch, I touch every account. I'm making all the optimizations. So I want to share with you what I'm, you know, what I'm doing to, to make our numbers get better over the course of a month. And that's, and that's really what a report looks at. And then we're going to have a phone call. Most of my most of my clients, 
half my clients have a, a monthly phone call and, and we'll look at a report together and I'll say, here's what I'm seeing. Here's what's happening. Um, you know, and, and then they can ask questions. Well, I don't understand this or, or this went this way. What, you know, why did this go this way? You know, it went up or went down or, or whatever it did. And then we can, we can talk about that. And then maybe we can stop watching that metric, or maybe we want to watch a different metric in addition to that one that, you know, that explains it more. So those phone calls are really helpful in kind of uh, clearing the air, not only catching up with the client, but kind of clearing the air on, on what we're all seeing. Brad, if you, if you think back to all of your years of doing uh, ad word work for different clients, is there one that just really uh, sticks out that that one was really rewarding? Maybe not the customer, but that campaign really, and you don't have to go into any details or give any confidential information, but is there something that really sticks out? It's like, we took this customer from here to here, um, and here's what we did to get that for them. Well, I'll plug you guys. I'm, I'll say thank you to you because you got me started in this. So you will always be my most memorable client. Um, I, I learned it all sitting with you uh, up there in uh, in the marketing office at Duluth Pack. With that being said, I have a memorable client. And this client stuck with me through thick and thin up until that that point that I mentioned where they wanted to go to the national firm. When, when we started out with them, they had a very small um, inventory. They had not very small. They had a smaller, smaller inventory. Um, they were not so national. They were just kind of growing into a national company. And we went from, we went, and I'm happy to share the numbers. We went from a ROAS, an initial ROAS of about 350, which was really good. We were, we were targeting 600. We wanted a ROAS of 600. My, my final year with them, I, I worked with them for eight years. We we made more than a million dollars on $150,000 ad spend. Our ROAS was $2,700. We killed it for them. So it was really it was really tough when they fired me because I thought this is this is the shining example of what Google Ads can do for a company. We made you more than a million dollars in that calendar year. So it it. It can be done and it can be done. I won't say it can be done easily. It takes a lot of hard work, but Google ads can get you there. It, it can really grow your company and scale you up. Boy, I'd like to get returns like that, my friend. I would love to get returns like that. I I, un I understand and I will I will put this codicil on that. That is the exception to the rule. Most of most of my ROASs are in that five to six hundred range. A twenty seven hundred was just it, it, it's just something well you know it i don't know if it'll ever be seen again i don't know if i'll ever see it again but it just everything clicked in uh what year was that was that that was right before the pandemic that was 2019 everything was clicking for this company it was just hitting on all cylinders wow well oh, i'll tell you a lot of people's ears perked up when you started talking about returns <laughs> on their money like that uh, yeah. anyone who's uh managing a budget was like they did what yeah that is, yeah that is so cool so brad what's the latest greatest coming out now um okay well we've we, we've been given a time to watch so let's just as quick as we can brush over this the the big talk right now is is chat gpt um, and how their relationship uh, has now formed with with Bing Ads, and it's I, I don't know a lot about it. I played with Chat GPT a little bit, and it's it's AI, it's artificial intelligence. So how is artificial intelligence going to change search? Um, it's going to change it. There's no doubt that it's going to change it. And 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 I know Bing's going to push hard on Google, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I th I think Google needs a little competition to get better. Um, I've played with chat GPT. It's fun. Um, it's not always right. Uh, sometimes it gives you the answers that are just plain wrong. And a lot of quantitative stuff it, it won't give you. For example, I typed in, um, can you give me 10, 10 of the best PE stocks with um, high dividends? And it kicked back. Sorry, I can't do that quantitative analysis for you. So there are limitations to it. The other limitations to chat GPT is it's only pulling data from 2021 and before. So it's not pulling any data out of 22 or 23. Now, on the flip side of that coin, Google has a product coming out and they say it's 
It's going to be here within weeks. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Called Bard. And, and Bard is Google's answer to chat GPT. It's two different languages. They they use different languages. I don't know how it's going to integrate with Google Ads. Um, It will at some point because it's machine learning and Google Ads is pushing hard on machine learning. And then the other thing is, too, it will constantly be updating itself on where it pulls data. So it will pull data from 22 and 23 as well as, as everything else. So it should be interesting. This is um in the in the next, uh, you know, 12 to 12 to 18 months. It's going to get really interesting on how artificial intelligence is going to relate to paid ads. Um, I know Bing would love to put a hurt on Google. I know they'd love to chip away at some of that market share. So we'll we'll see. That's the that's the next big thing coming. What what is that going to do for a company like True North Consulting? Um, <laughs> it's it's going to stretch this old guy more than than he wants <laughs> to be stretched. Um, it's going to be a lot of learning. It's going to be a lot of uphill you know uphill learning curve. Um, I'm ready for it. Uh, I'll embrace it. I'll use it. Like I said, ChatGPT is fun. It kicks back some fun stuff. But it's still, um, I'm still going to sell myself as the guy who has the personal touch on all the ads, um, and that's really that's really what I want to do for the the few years that I have remaining in this business. I still want to be the guy who writes all the ads, and and Google has said don't don't strictly rely on Chat GPT to write your ads because if if we figure that's you've plagiarized those ads, we're going to nick you for it and we're going to turn you off. So that's that's what I see coming. Um, I I've got a lot of learning to do. Uh, and when Bard hits, you know, here in the next I don't know two two to eight weeks, uh, I'm I'm gonna have to get as up to speed as fast as I can on Bard to make sure that I'm using it for my clients to the highest and best uh, usability. Well, I'm sure you will. An intelligent guy like you, I have uh, rest assured you will. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I I appreciate that. If you had some advice to give to a listener out there and they're going, you know, we've Google AdWords is what kind of a, a term, but AdWords, let's just use mm -hmm. that. Okay. Scares the living daylights out of me. What what kind of advice can you give to somebody who's going, you know, we've, we've maybe dabbled in it or we're afraid to dabble in it. What do I do? What, what kind of advice could you give to get started? Well, don't be afraid of it. Uh, please, please don't be afraid of it. If, if if you've gotten if you've gotten screwed by an agency, I I apologize. I'm sorry. There there are agencies out there who don't know what they're doing, and all they want to do is cash your checks. Um, find somebody you trust. Use some word of mouth. Um, you know, this is the digital marketer telling you to use word of mouth. Start asking around. Start asking people who do you use. Who, who do you trust? Who's done a good job for you? And then start interviewing them. Um, start contacting people like me and start interviewing them. Um, what you need. Here's, here's what my business is. Here's what my website looks like. Here's what I think a conversion is. You know, how can you help me? And if you've been burned, if you've been burned by an agency, tell the truth. Tell them, hey, this is, we got burned and here's how we think we got burned. Can you help me? Um, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of it. Um, and start start slow. Start at low budgets. Um, you know, if your if your agency says, well, we need to spend you know a million dollars in the next thirty days, you know, tell them they're nuts. Tell them no. This is this is the budget we're willing to give it, and we're going to do a 30, 60, 90 day test, and we'll see where we're at. Um, so you're just but, saying interview people and and go with the people you feel most comfortable with and and tell them what your budgets are absolutely give them a budget give them a budget to start with but it is you, you have to you have to feel it with your agency um you, the cultures have to match up and i know that's a really old school you know kind of thing to say but you know i went to business school a thousand years ago so that's what we talked about but um <laughs> it, you you gotta like the people you work with, and it goes both ways. I I gotta like the people I work with, and and you gotta like the people you work with, and and you gotta believe in what they're doing. You 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 gotta buy into it. If if you're not buying into their business model, it's not gonna work for you. And and you're gonna you're gonna dread writing that check every month. Oh God, why am I paying this guy? You you gotta enjoy you gotta enjoy working with them. 
Great advice. So, Brad, what are your handles? How can people find True North Consulting and Brad Putney? Um, LinkedIn. Please, please use my LinkedIn, and it's just it's just LinkedIn backslash Brad Putney. Um, that's that's where most of my stuff is right now. Um, unfortunately, my website crashed. I like everybody else. I am. So we'll I, get a four hundred four. You're going to get a 404. And my stepmother loves to tell me that she's like, I clicked on your website and it's not working. Yeah, I know we got, we've got a server crash and we got to get it fixed. Please go to LinkedIn. That's, that's where most, most of my information is. That's where all my information is. Contact me there. I'm I'm happy to chat. I'm happy to do this too. I'm happy to jump on a zoom call or, or, or a, a Google meet and just talk to you about what, uh, what you're looking for. So perfect. Yeah. Appreciate it. So folks Thank go you. to LinkedIn. Now we're not going to let you go yet, Brad, because we're going to okay. uh, go to what we call our packed question okay. segment. Packed. Yeah. Packed question. Imagine packed. that coming from us. <laughs> What's your favorite hobby outside of work? Uh, I have a boat problem. I'm willing to admit that I have a boat problem. Um, I want to be on the water. That's, that, that's my first love. I love boats and boating. And every, if I'm not in the office, I'm trying to be on the water. So uh, my wife knows it, by the way, this is people ask me this all the time. Did you tell her that you own all these boats? Yep. I told her from the very first date, I own a lot of boats and I, I, I'm addicted to boats. So. And you you have, you have some vintage boats. Yes. I have, I have five vintage boats. Yep. Yep. I have a, I have a 47, a 48, a 51, a 64 and a 65. All wood, all woodies. Yep. Are those a, a labor of love? Uh, depends on the day. <laughs> when, when they're running, when they're running, we love them very much. When they're coughing and spurting and all that stuff, we don't love them so much. Uh, we do. We uh, we love them. I love that sound. We uh, the boat that gets used the most. The boat that's in the water every day is a forty-eight. It's a forty-eight Chris Craft Deluxe, and it's got a flathead six. And I just love that sound. I just love that. Bup, 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 bup. It's uh, it's one of my favorites. Just to just to go out and just do a slow cruise around the lake, just at closed throttle, just listen to it, pop, 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 pop. Well, you know, we're we're actually uh, taping this podcast, and I recommend keeping it in storage a little bit longer because there's about two feet of ice on those lakes up where you live. Oh man, April. People ask me, is January tough? Is February tough? I'm like. April's the toughest for me because I am just champing at the bit for the ice to go out. I just, I want to get a boat in the water. Oh, so. that's hilarious. So what's the favorite place that you've ever traveled to? Uh, I've got, I got two. Um, my favorite, my favorite place is Nepal. Um, I, uh, Kathmandu, Pokhara, Nepal, lovely, fantastic views. The most amazing people. The favorite, my favorite trip I've ever taken is when my wife and I first started dating and we took a a national park trip through uh, New Mexico, Arizona, Utah. And we just, we hit every national park, every monument, we hiked it. That's probably been my favorite trip. Um, Getting, that was just us getting to know each other, but hitting all those national parks and being outside. Uh, The Grand Canyon was fantastic. Canyon Deshaies, you know, all those wonderful sites throughout that uh, desert Southwest. That's awesome. And Brad, last pack question pack yeah. question is what is something that's still on your bucket list that Brad Putney needs mm. to do yet? What is on, on my bucket list? Um, I should have I should have looked at that and thought about that uh more closely. Really top of my list for any number of years, two things, and I'd love to do them together. I want to do a photo safari in Africa and I want to go fly fishing uh uh in the uh in the islands, uh Madagascar and, and up that way. But really photo safari in Africa is top of my list. I have been yearning to do that for 20 years. So someday soon, that's what I want to do. Yeah, well, things have opened back up, so you can go do that now. I I I can't wait. I just have to find the time now. You know, I we didn't talk about this, but I run a second business. So Pretty pretty soon here. I'll be working seven days a week, so we'll we'll have to find the time. Hopefully, someday soon. Well, we hope you do. And and folks, Thank this you. has been Brad Putney. He is the founder and owner of True North Consulting. You can find him at LinkedIn. Brad, tell us once again where they can find you on LinkedIn. Yeah, just LinkedIn backslash Brad Putney. 
that's where I am. That's the best and place you, to find me. You can you can get in contact with him there and learn a whole bunch more. Uh, so you can, as a business person, spend your money when you're doing AdWords as efficiently as you possibly can. Brad, thank you so much for being here today. You're such a bundle of knowledge, and and really, I think we learned a lot. Thanks, Tom. I really appreciate you having me. This is a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. That is awesome. And folks, until next time, unplug from the indoors and recharge in the outdoors. Thank you for listening to another episode of Leader of the Pack. Don't forget to rate this podcast. And we would certainly be grateful if you'd give us five stars. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher. Follow Duluth Pack on social media at Duluth Pack. And shop online at DuluthPack.com. Don't forget to support American jobs and buy American made. Duluth Pack's ninth annual Beer and Gear event is here. Join Duluth Pack for their Beer and Gear event in store on Friday, May 26th from 4 to 7 p.m. There'll be sale items up to 50% off, plus free beer and food from Hoops Brewing, along with live demos and raffles from brands like Spring Creek Manufacturing, Bending Branches, Deuter, Orbis, Darntop Vermont, and Faribault Mill. Join Duluth Pack and their partners for their upcoming Beer and Gear event at the Duluth Pack Retail Store at 365 Canal Park Drive. It's the ninth annual Beer and Gear event at Duluth Pack, and you don't want to miss out. Duluth Pack, made in the USA since 1882.